mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Three Thousand. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41. Here now, Pastor Moody. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, or they'll put the scripture up on the screen, I'm going to read just one verse today and uh, preach a, a thought that God has dealt with me about. We, of course, having baptism today. And uh, I think baptism is, well, I don't think, I know it's an essential part of the Christian faith. Uh, it's, it's the early church. I want you to know something. They always equated being saved and being baptized as going hand in hand. Today it's almost like there's a nonchalant attitude about it. But the Bible teaches so much about baptism. And I'm not really going to teach on baptism. But God touched me with a word this week out of this one verse. And man, it stirred me up. I've, I've, been, I've been excited. I'm ready to preach this morning on this thought. Amen. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read one verse, verse number 41. And listen to what it says. This is talking about when Peter has stood up and preached and told him about the promise of being, you know, being saved and receiving the Holy Spirit, being baptized. And the Bible said, Then they that gladly received his word. Man, the Lord touched me with that earlier this week and said that it's important that people gladly receive the word of God and get excited about new life. How many remembers when you got saved? Amen. I want to tell you, I think about that, how my life changed and turned around. You know, it went all over Richmond the day that I got saved. People were making phone calls. People were driving to my house. I guess they thought I was John Dillinger or somebody, but they, you know, they thought I was some you know, VIP center or something. But people were just excited to hear that I'd gotten saved. And I'm still excited about it. It said, they that gladly received his word were baptized I love this. And the same day there were added unto them. Now we want to say it says added to the church. That's what it means, but that's not what it says. It says added unto them. Can I say this? Added unto the apostles. Added unto the church of Jesus Christ. Added unto the, the, to the patriarchs and the, the Old Testament saints. In other words, they became part of God's kingdom that day. Amen. They were added unto them. About 3,000 souls. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on the thought of the 3,000. The 3,000. I, I saw some stuff in those people's lives that stirred me up. Amen. How many want to get stirred up this morning? Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, get happy. Praise God. Look up and say, you should already be happy if you got Jesus. Let's, let's, let's let the Lord have his way. Father, thank you for your goodness, your favor, the grace of God. Thank you for the worship this morning, God. And I'm so glad that first song got me when it said it picked me up and turned me around, set my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. Father, I want you to move today and help us just walk in the anointing and the power of your Spirit and reach and touch somebody's life 
who needs to be turned around, who needs to be picked up. Because if you have to reach way down, Lord, that song said he'll pick you up. And I know you will. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. I, I got to tell you that this verse this week, and I've, I've preached from Acts chapter 2 for over 40 years. And when I read that verse earlier in the week, they that gladly received his word. I immediately began to go back in retrospect of how it was when Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. It's a great thing. It's a big deal with me being saved. Amen. I mean, being saved to me, I'd rather, I'd rather somebody to walk up and say, I found Jesus than for one of my immediate family members to say, Papa, I just won a hundred million dollar lottery. I'd rather hear them say, I found Jesus. Amen. Come on, somebody. It's that big of a deal. Amen. When Peter uh, what he said concerning repentance and baptism, especially when he said, you'll receive the gift of, of the Holy Ghost and remission. He said, be baptized for remission of sins. That's a word that means the putting away of sins. The promise of Christ and, and the, the promise of salvation through Christ. Amen. What a, what a great promise it is. The pardon from sin. And then to know that you can receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, these Jews knew that there were select men. Like David, when, when the Holy Spirit was put upon Saul, then it was lifted off of him because of his failures. The scripture said the Spirit came upon David from the day that Samuel poured the horn of oil on him and never departed from him. I mean, you study it out. Even when he sinned with Bathsheba, had Uriah killed, amen. The Holy Spirit never left him alone, didn't count him out. I know David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. But listen to what else he said. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. He was still there. Can you say amen? And so I started to think about the goodness of God and, and his great mercy. And as they were singing this morning, and uh, they received joy great joy and gladness. And now they were made a willing people in the day that God had poured out his spirit. Can I say it this way? The Old Testament prophets called it the day of the Lord or the day of his power. And now that promise, or there was a prophecy in, in Psalms 110 verse three, and they saw a powerful result. It says, amen, in verse three of Psalm 110, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. That was a phrase that the Jews understood well. And in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You know what that means? That ladies, that's talking about birth. That's talking about the birth of the church. It was a prophesied event. A day when, when there would be a birth of, of a new covenant. Amen. That's what they were a part of. Oh, hallelujah. And, uh, and it goes on and says then that, uh, amen, about the, thou hast the dew. And the word, it's, it's odd there, but the Hebrew word for dew and the Hebrew word for a new lamb are so, they sound, they're almost spelled exactly alike and they sound, they do sound exactly alike. And what they speak of when it talks about the dew or, the, or, or that freshness, it's talking about the first fruits of, of the gospel and the ministry of Jesus. I want to tell you that that morning was the, was the early morning dew of, of, the, of the day of 
of salvation. Those 3,000, when I thought about them, you know, we, we often think about people coming to church and, and, and uh, getting saved and, and getting baptized. And, and the, some of them journey on for a while. Some of them don't last a week. Hello, are you hearing me? One old preacher said, I think they just went in a dry center and came out of Wetman because they didn't get what they were supposed to get. And we see people that don't hold out. But when I read about these 3,000, my Lord, the Bible said they were added to them, to the apostles. And they continued with that. Somebody help me right there. And all of a sudden there was this fresh dew. There was this new covenant. Amen. The law that could not put away sin. It had come up short. But now... Amen, because of the testament of, of the resurrection of Jesus and the efficacy of his own blood. Now there's a blood-bought church, my Lord. There's a group of born-again believers. Oh, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm hearing or not, but I'm hearing God say it went from, uh, from 12 to 120 in the upper room, and now suddenly there's a crescendo of 3,000 new voices added to them. I, I feel like shouting this morning. Every time we have baptism, to me it's not just another step or, or it's not just a goal. Come on, somebody help me. But when I think about baptism and I think about people saying, I've been buried with Jesus, I've been raised up with him. I'm now going to walk in the newness of life. I'm reading about these 3,000 and I'm getting stirred up because thank God, now suddenly the army of God has increased exponentially. Give him praise if you would. As soon as they were born of the Spirit, suddenly this glorious illumination of grace begins to shine on them. There's gladness, I think, that comes when you receive the word of God. They that gladly receive the word of God. There's a gladness that comes when you accept the son of God. How many will say amen to that? And you become a child of God. Jesus spoke about this in the parable of the sower. And uh, I was thinking about it this week. And I went back and read it. I want to read it to you just a little bit. And uh, in, Matthew, in Matthew 13, after he told them the parable, he starts explaining it to them in verse 18. And he says, Hear ye therefore the parable or the lesson of the sower. And he said, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then, it, then the, it, it, the wicked one comes and, and, uh, and catches away that which was sown in their heart. And he said, this is the seed that fell by the wayside. It never had an opportunity to produce anything. But listen to verse 20. He goes on and says, but he that receives the, the, the seed in stony places... There's a possibility there. And uh, I, I thought like this, the same as the one that hears the word. And look at this. It says, and with joy, he receives it. There's, there's joy receiving the word of God. And then he said, but he's not prepared. He doesn't have any root in himself. And the scripture said he, he endures for a while. But then when uh, tribulation comes, amen, verse 21, when problems and persecution arise because of the word, the scripture said he is offended. That's a word of scandalizo in the, in the Greek. And it means not just to have your feelings hurt. It means to be made to stumble, to fail the faith, to come up short. One time I was reading this morning just in my devotional reading where uh, Jesus had sort of rebuked the Pharisees. And, and his disciples came to him and said, Lord, don't you know you offended the Pharisees? And they weren't saying you hurt their little feelings and made them 
you know, stick their lower lip out. He said, man, you caused them to stumble. They thought they had a hold of it, and all of a sudden you made them realize they didn't. Is anybody with me today? And so if you're, there's, there's, if you're not prepared, sometimes the word doesn't succeed. And then verse 22 said, he also that receives a seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But listen, I want to talk to you about the 3,000 now. Amen. And suddenly there's this group that received the seed into good ground and he's the one that hears the word. They understood what was going on. And then we notice about them, they got baptized. Amen. Remember what John said at Jordan. He told those, that group of priests that came, he said, bring forth fruit, meet to repentance. Show me that you've really got it. This group brought forth fruit. Amen. And they said some 100, some 60, and some 30. And I, I thought like this, this group, they, they got baptized and then they started being discipled. Your scripture said that they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in the word of God. They started being taught. They started growing. Then all of a sudden, they became men of fellowship because it said they broke bread from house to house. Amen. And, they, and then it said all of a sudden that they found favor with men and God. They began to be a light in that community. This 3,000... <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. I'm just going on up here about this 3,000. I'm excited about what God is doing in our church today. Are you hearing me? We're not just trying to you know, put up numbers and say we got so many converts. We're not filing some report that says, yippee, this many came to the altar. I'm seeing people who are following the Lord in baptism and they're going to next steps and they're being taught and they're being discipled. And I, I feel like one day they're gonna be light shining in the darkness and they're going to bear fruit and they're going to win souls. Hallelujah. Give God praise if you would. You know, I've watched over many years of ministry the parable of the sower lived out in the church. I've seen all of the above. I've seen the ones that heard the word that did them no good. I've seen the ones that got it on stony ground but they weren't really prepared I've seen them that God touched them, but then they let the world and the cares of the world pull them away. But I thank God that I've looked around and seen people who got a hold of God, who really got saved. Can you say amen? And held on and got baptized and then started being discipled and became workers, amen, in the harvest. Oh, hallelujah. I've seen some of them raise up to be preachers and pastors and, and missionaries and evangelists and, and doing different ministries. I'm telling you, I, I see in this 3,000 example, an example of God, what God is looking for in the church in these last days. Are you hearing me? I want to shout it to the young and to the old. It's time to follow Jesus. It's time to gladly receive the word. It's time to be born again. It's time to get baptized. It's time to get Filled with the Holy Ghost. It's time to become workers and touch the world. Amen. Before time runs out. Give him praise if you would. Something powerful, I'm going to prophesy this, is going to happen in the lives of those who receive what the, this group in Acts chapter 2, this group of converts received and understood. I want to say that again. It's not just going to be just an event in their life, but it's going to be transforming. Hallelujah. How many's glad God changed you when you got saved? If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Glory to God. 
I've had people tell me they were saved in one breath and cussed in the next. There's something wrong with that. Are you hearing me? Amen. I've had them tell me there's a child of God and then seen them on Facebook drinking beer in a bar somewhere. I'm sorry, but I got a problem with that. Hello, that's not a new Christian. That's not a new person. Amen. And so all of a sudden when I started looking at what made the difference in the lives of these 3,000, there's about three things I want to touch on real quickly. First of all, it was the promise. Notice what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Watch this. And you shall receive. You're going to get something. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen, walking into this baptismal pool or into a creek like I did when I got baptized or, or in a river. I got baptized in the River of Jordan in 1995. And I just recently saw some pictures of that. And, uh, and I've seen people baptized in ponds. And, and uh, it's, listen, it's, it's more than just a, an ordinance of the church, but it's literally walking into the most powerful potential in the world. Hallelujah. Because when you are baptized, you're saying, I'm dead to what I used to be. And now, buried with him by baptism, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to become everything that God wants me to be. Oh, that's exciting to me. I think if you had an idea of what God wants to do with your life, you'd you'd be on fire. John administered the ordinance of baptism. John the Baptist. He, he literally baptized Jesus himself. And then the apostles administered baptism. I thought about Philip, amen, who was one of the early deacons and became an evangelist and baptized that Ethiopian eunuch out in the desert. That's one of my favorite stories because it said Philip was just called away somewhere to preach, but it said that eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He gladly received the word. Can you say amen? And he went on back to Ethiopia and became a great missionary himself. I won't deal with that too much. And then I thought about those people that were converted at Cornelius' house. And while Peter was preaching, amen, they, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And hundreds of them were saved and instantly filled with the Spirit. And they were baptized. And then that group of Hebrews went back to Jerusalem and reported excitedly, hey, the Gentiles have got what we got. Are you hearing me? There's something about this experience that's contagious and it's powerful. Amen. It said they were baptized. He said in the name of Jesus, listen, and there's a lot of controversy about that. I've had a lot of people question me about that. Should you be baptized in the name of Jesus only? Or should you be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Can I clarify that for you just a little bit this morning? I, I want to say this. When, when they said that, they were not saying that to the exclusion of the Father and of the Holy Ghost. But the name of Jesus is particularly mentioned because of the Jews. That group that they were preaching to, they had rejected Christ. They had seen his miracles. They, some of them had eight of, his, of the loaves and fishes that he, that he fed them with. And yet when it came down to the last week of his life, they were standing in mass saying, crucify him, away with him, and give us Barabbas. They had rejected him. They did not want to accept his deity. So he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus because of these Jews, amen, because they denied him as the Messiah. But now upon their repentance and faith, they're baptized in the name or in the authority that Jesus gave 
gave them and the command that he gave them. You know what Jesus commanded them in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19? Amen. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations and baptize them. Watch this. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, when you exclude the Father and the Holy Ghost from baptism, you're doing injury, sir, to the Trinity. God is eternally existent, one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to tell you, the Father is God. Jesus is God. And the Holy Ghost is God. Amen. And these three are one, the Scripture says. So he said it's for the remission of sins. That's what Peter promised. Uh, There's so much in that one verse. He said that the Apostle Peter advises these awakened, sensible, repenting, and believing souls to submit to baptism. That by baptism, their faith might be led to Christ who suffered and died for sins, left them buried in his grave, and then rose for their justification. Amen. From them, all which is represented in the ordinance of baptism. When we are baptized, buried in water, we're identifying with Jesus. And I've said this for years, and when John baptized Jesus and buried him in water, he was identifying with us. He said, I'm going to a tomb, but you can go to a watery grave, and we become one. Thank God God because of your obedience to my command. Then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand this is not, you know, the, the grace of the Spirit. When you're saved, they'd already received that. You're not baptized until you're saved. They'd be glad to receive the word, we're saved. But when he's talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you he's talking about, amen, being filled, endued with power. Power to witness, amen. Power to endure, power to change the world. The baptism in the Holy Spirit brings the church alive and gives us power, can you say, amen? And it's needed in the church today. The 3,000, I believe, tarried. The result was of this preaching, 3,000, Got saved, but beyond their salvation, they stayed. They were baptized. And I told you a moment ago, they were added to them. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm thinking about when I got saved and I got baptized, I was added to them. Yeah, I was I was added to the church. Come on, somebody, in my day, but I was also added to the kingdom. I was added to people like Peter and John. Are you with me? I was added to Jesus Christ. I was added to the church, amen, of the firstborn. And so all of a sudden we see God's promise. John Gill said this, amen, about the result. He said, they were all baptized in water by immersion for which there was a great convenience in Jerusalem and in the temple. In other words, it was easy to get baptized in. I've always had pictures of them going down to a river somewhere and getting baptized. But listen, in the city of Jerusalem, I did a little research and I found this out, that in private houses they had their baths for purifications and immersion. There were places all over town where they had dig cisterns and dig pools. And and there were literally lavers all over the temple and all over town. And everywhere you went, there were waters that were made available for purification. Amen? And it was customary in that time. It was, was, you know, because people couldn't go into the temple unless they were ceremonial cleansed. When Jesus, uh, one time the, the, the Pharisees said to him, you know, why do your disciples eat without washing their hands? And, you know, and they said they're violating our tradition. And when you read that, you think they, their hands were dirty. But that's not what it means. They had devised this, this ceremonial process 
of cleansing that you had to wash your hands a certain way, you had to hold them a certain way, they had to drip dry a certain way, and if you didn't, they, they said you were ceremonially unclean. But Jesus looked at him and said, you've just made the word of God of none effect by your tradition. It's not the word of God you're quoting, it's tradition. And so they had these all over Jerusalem, I don't know if I'm explaining this right, there were these pools and lavers and, and cisterns. And, and, and I even read this, that one of the, uh, of the historians of that day said this, Doc, he said, I want you to understand that, that a man that could dig a well or produce a cistern was as much in demand as a lawyer in those days. He, they were wealthy men. I read about one man who made the statement, he said, I have all that I need because of your need for water. Think of that. And so all over town, there was these places. And so three, it was easy that day to baptize those 3,000, maybe in different places all over the city. And this was customary, and it was in great importance. Because Isaiah had said it like this. In chapter 1 and verse 16, he said, Wash you, make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doings before, from before my eyes and cease to do evil. Even the Old Testament prophets said, you need to wash yourselves. So baptism to them was understandable. And then the difference that was made was this, folks. When I read these verses, it said they stayed with it. They continued in the doctrine. They listened to the teaching. They stayed together. They went from house to house and broke bread in fellowship with one another. You know why? Because they sought people out that could encourage them and could help them. I remember when I first got saved, I was hungry to know more about God. And I, I would seek out people in the church that I could learn from that were experienced, elderly people, saints. And uh, I used to, uh, Lonnie and Janice, my, my brother-in-law and, and sister, my wife's brother and his wife, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they were instrumental in us being saved. And we go to their house all the time. And I'd sit and listen to way up in the night. And I'll never forget one time, Lonnie looked at Janice and said, honey, let's go to bed so these people can go home. But we, we were just there trying to learn more about God, can you say amen? And so all of a sudden, the, there's this commitment because of the joy of salvation. You know, Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day, the end time approaching. There is a time that the church needs to pull together and they need each other. Listen, there's a danger in not doing what the 3,000 did. There's a danger in not following on to know Jesus. Paul would say later in his life, I now know him in whom I have believed. Remember on the road to Damascus, and you read that in Acts chapter 9, when Jesus is talking to Paul, and, or to Saul of Tarsus, and Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks or the ox goad. I'm jabbing you to, to Damascus, to Straight Street. He's blind. And when he gets there, uh, Ananias comes in and says, Brother Saul, the Jesus that spoke to you on the road has sent me down here to pray for you. Your eyes are going to be open. You're going to get the Holy Ghost and you're going to get baptized. 
Do you understand? Even then, Paul then later says, but now I know him. Then I just believed in him. And I think it's a tragedy when people don't really try to know the Lord. You know, I'm looking around this room and Roy and Geneva Rodas are sitting here and we have connection because of relationship with the Rodases, the Moody's, the Joneses, and friendships for lifetimes. And Geneva's dad and my father-in-law, when they were teenagers, played music together. And they'd go to each other's houses back in the, in the backwoods where they lived. And, and they didn't, you know, they, wouldn't, they couldn't run to town, so they'd get together and play music and have fun. And, and so I, I go way back with these people relationally. And when I want to know more about that generation, I can talk to them. They know stuff I don't know. And I'm going to venture to say, I know stuff you don't know. So we can talk to each other. And so I've found out since I've been serving the Lord, it's beneficial to me. Am I preaching all right? To be like that 3,000, to continue in the doctrine, to come to church every time I can. I mean, uh, there was a time whenever you'd have revival in a church in the community, other churches would shut down and go to the revival because everybody wanted to fellowship and, and get a part of what God was doing in that meeting. And nowadays you can call it revival and sometimes you're hard pressed to get your own church to come to the revival. Is this on? Are you hearing me? But I'm telling you, the 3,000 some, saw something. They, they gladly received the word. They got baptized. They received the Holy Spirit. And the scripture said they continued, not just you know haphazardly, but it says steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They laid with it, Nick. I thank God. I thank God for people who have an understanding mind and heart to the word of God and an ear to listen. And study to show themselves approved. A workman that needs no correction. Rightly dividing. There's a lot of people today who've been saved by the same Jesus we were. Who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit at some point just like we were. Can you say, they've been to the baptismal pool. But they did not continue. And some of them today are out there in the world living like the world. And they're separated from what God could have gave them in the church. <sighs> Some of you are looking at me like you're just an old-fashioned preacher. I'll tell you this thing's real. It's kept me 43 years, and it'll carry me to glory when this life is over. And to me, that's the most important thing. It was, was when I got saved, and it still is right now in my life. Amen. I'm going to close. Come on, Nick. You know, it said in Hebrews 10, 25, I read it to you, not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because verse 26 says this. Listen, it says, For if we sin willfully, after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for ourselves. I want you to understand. I've had people tell me you can't ever lose this. You listen to what this says. If we sin willfully, we, make, we act a willful act to sin. After we've been saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. There remains no more sacrifice. Now that's a strange word. There's, there's no more efficacy or power potential in the blood for me if I'm sinning willfully. Because John would say later, if you walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of his son cleanses you from all, all, all you had fellowship one with another, and the blood of his son cleanses, perpetual cleansing of all unrighteousness and sins. So if I, if I don't continue and I go back, to the world 
then all of a sudden the blood doesn't apply to me. I, I want to tell you this. That literally means this. Paul goes on verse 27 and says, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. And I'm, I'm not a hard preacher, but I want to tell you there's a devil out there that's trying to pull you away from this. If he can get you out there and get you out there in some sin and somebody's convinced you you're still all right, you're in danger and fiery indignation and judgments looking at you. And that doesn't talk about being self-righteous or pious or I'm bragging about what you do, but that's saying, I've understood something. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. Can I say this? I need the church. Y'all with me? Can I tell you something? I need you. I was glad to see Sister Mabel walk in. She's not been able to be with us for some time. Dear woman of God, she came here when we first opened the doors of this place, this building. Been with us for years. She's had a lot of health issues. And I need Sister Mabel. It made me smile when I seen her walk through the door back there, praise God. I need people who, who've always encouraged me. Rob and Sheila, every time I've ever known them over the years and, and I got acquainted with their son when him and his family got into our church many years ago in the Blue Building and got saved. And, and I got acquainted with they, They've always encouraged me. I've always said positive things. And sometimes people have to say negative things. They have to try to straighten you up some. Hammy's glad that the scripture said, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he deals with. So all of a sudden, these 3,000, can I tell you about the 3,000? Can I tell you I believe they ever one made it to heaven? Huh? And I'm not preaching some doctrine of unconditional eternal security. I'm telling you, I believe they made it because of what I read in your hearing this morning. They gladly received His Word. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit. And they continued in the Word of God and with the apostles and in the church. Let me conclude with this. The last verse of Acts chapter 2 says this. After it talks about them continuing, staying in church, eating together. Verse 47 says, They were praising God having favor with all people and then it says something we need not forget the purpose of the church is always the harvest Jesus always spoke of the harvest because the Bible said and addendum the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved or those that were being saved the new King James says so when I read this, I, I think the Lord's adding to the church daily. And then there's just a couple of chapters later, 5,000 that get saved in one day. And then it just goes off the charts because it says then that the number of the disciples begin to multiply. Are you hearing me? 3,000. The 3,000. Give us an example of how to follow Jesus. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for a real relationship. Thank you for people in this room. Some of them are my seniors. Some, many of them, most of them are not. Some of them have followed you for years. Some for decades. Some most of all their adult life. Some are just starting. But we all started with a 
glad receptivity of the Word of God. We all started with being washed in the blood, being baptized in water, coming into the church, being discipled and trained and following on to know the Lord and become effective, reaching others and touching others. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this week, one day I was found myself in the midst of a group of people for some business. And suddenly the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. There wasn't one of them a child of God, not one of them saved. I said, God, use me. And sometimes, you know, when you start witnessing to people or just trying to say something good, they'll shut you down. But the Lord opened the door in a way that I could just talk to them about what the goodness of God really is. And I watched them with open ears and open eyes listen to what God had to say. I've sowed some seed. Now, did they get saved? Not yet. Brother Anthony, I believe that one man plants, another man waters, and God gives an increase. And he's glad for that today. Probably every one of you can think about somebody sometime before you got saved that sowed a seed in your life. And then somebody else came along and watered it and it began to bring forth life. Let's be like the 3,000. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, have you surrendered to Christ? Have you been saved? Have you gladly received the word, the gospel, the good news? Become a child of God. Have you been baptized? Have you become like the 3,000? Are you continuing? Are you learning, growing, becoming somebody God can use? If not, you can start today. Today you can commit yourself to being a worker for Him. Amen. To being a disciple. Being added to them. That's a pretty good group to be added to. Can I get a witness? Peter, James, John, Paul. Pretty good group to be added to. So if you need him today. And set our hearts on you. Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.